Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Jason Graves for the game Moss, book two. It's a VR game where you help a little tiny mouse named Quill save her world from evil. And it's as adorable as it sounds with gorgeous art and a gorgeous soundtrack full of solos from flute, oboe, English horn, uh, bass clarinet, cello, Irish penny whistles, and more. It's fantastic and full of wonderfully melodic themes. So he and I, Jason and I, talk early on about Quill's theme, and it's reminiscent of English folk songs. And for some reason, I call it Mixolydian mode. I know better. It's Dorian. My theory teachers would be very disappointed. (laughs) So anyway, just gloss over that mistake that I've immortalized uh, here in this episode. Anyway, it is fabulous to hear Jason talk about the instrumentation and other compositional choices that he made to create this music for Moss Book 2. Join us on Discord to talk about this and other episodes and other themes of episodes. It's free. Link is in the show notes. Uh, Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll find this conversation up on YouTube. That's youtube.com slash levelwithemilyreese. And if you're able to become a patron, we would appreciate your support very much at patreon.com slash level. All right, here is Jason Graves. I think it's important for people to understand that Moss is a a VR game. Yes. And it's, I think, probably one of the best candidates for, like, won't make you sick VR game, which is kind of <laughs> saying something, because I do have some motion sickness issues, and I've played it a lot, and it's never bothered me, but it's because of the perspective, and this is why I think it's important for listeners to understand the the player's perspective in the game. It, it's literally, I'm sitting here at my desk at the studio, and if I put the VR goggles on right now, it would look like the world of Moss is sort of just out of reach, like down on the ground. You're sort of in this, like sitting on your knees perspective in a forest or inside a castle or mm-hmm. wherever the game is at that moment. But everything is naturally sized. Like you are a human-sized spectator. And Quill, the protagonist of the game, is a mouse-sized mouse. <laughs> now, occasionally, the camera will drop down kind of to ground level and you get an idea of the scale of everything as seen from Quill's perspective. But a lot of the game takes place from that sort of seated in in front of a diorama perspective. And I wanted the music to do very much what it did in the first Moss, which was convey that that small size of Quill versus the large sort of background that she was kind of following her path against. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it just came down to lots of small instruments, um, solo instruments, things that that felt like if I were sitting here and Kristen Negus was playing English horn, it sounded like she was sort of in the diorama, like she was just right over there, like just... Yep. You know, a small, intimate sort of sound with all of the instruments. And I think my favorite analogy from the first one was, it's almost if you ran into a little pub in one of the mouse villages, there'd be a little <laughs> band playing all of these instruments. And this is what they would sound like. And yeah. all I really did from the first one to the second one was we went from violin to cello, because 
it's it's a bigger story and it's it's a little uh, a little darker and I like the weight of the cello but also oh my gosh I'm such a sucker for cello it, the the way that I got to write the cello parts for Ren the cellist I, I've I've never I've never had a chance to write those kind of lines and I've never had anyone just respond everything you heard was the first take that he sent me oh, and I wow. would just drop it in. And all the musicians were like this, but um, yeah, the cello was a big part of it, and the piano was the other really big part. Um, I had a harp in the first game, mm -hmm. which is again a Celtic harp you could sit on your lap. And kind of like the way I went from the violin to the cello, I went from the harp to the piano with the idea of it being bigger and sort of more epic in scope, but still yeah. satisfying those pretty plinky kind of fantasy sort of things. But yeah. also I could go down low with octaves and reinforce the low end. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's That was the general, probably the general synopsis. I love that you call them plinky sounds. I called them tinkly sounds in my <laughs> questions. <laughs> yeah, they can be plinkly sounds. That'll work. Yes, <laughs> plinkly. Well, yeah, we'll we'll come back to some of those points you just made um, in a minute. But but let's just kind of get out there what what the style of this music is like. So you know, for instance, the main quill theme could easily be like some kind of you know old English folk song or English. Um, yeah. uh, you know, sailing song, even kind of that with the mix mixolydian mode, which is mm -hmm. a very folky kind yep. of sound yep. in music. So, um, and of course that theme carries over from the first game, of course. So talk yep. to me a little bit about that and, and getting to spend a lot more time with that theme again. I think you nailed the the style. I mean, it was very intentionally like pastoral and and quaint and folky. Yeah, and that's where you get the the mixolydian, especially having that flat seven in the harmony, really emphasizes kind of the everyman sort of like you know nothing super special, just doing our thing. We're really happy. Yeah, and that was kind of the origin in the in the first game, and. I never felt like I needed to write a new main theme for Quill or a new theme for Quill at all. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed working with the, that first theme so much in the first game that I just sort of just, yeah. I mean, I didn't copy and paste, but I just took the notes and as literal as I could have them represented, like exactly the same way, I wanted it to be just overtly obvious that the theme was being used again. Probably more Dorian this time, which is another mode which mm -hmm. gives you like this uh, uplifting sort of heartfelt warm hug when it goes to the major four chord. Um, yeah. I did a lot of mixing modes this time around, especially with that that main theme. Um, a mm -hmm. lot of times I would do, and I know this is a little geeky, but I know you're right here with me. I'd have the Dorian <laughs> happening with the the major four chord, but also the lydian with the flat, uh, the mixolydian with the flat seven. But then a lot of times at the end of the phrase, I'd go lydian, and there'd be a sharp eleven in there.
just it would everything would just shift here and there so it's not mm -hmm. as you know um simple as the first time around right the melody is still playing the exact same notes but the harmony and the instrumentation underneath it are are like shifting like kind of constantly because it's a much yeah. a much more um what's going on what's going to happen like emotional kind of one two punches yeah. in this second game yeah now of course the first game starts you uh as the player you're opening a book and you're someone is telling you the story of this world and then of course when the second game starts that happens but they're basically just recapping okay this is what happened in the first one, right? Yep. And and I love the the piece of music you wrote for that. Uh, it's called "We Remember You," and you know you got to bring back, you got to kind of play with all of these themes, kind of like you know opera composers in the 18th century would, or you know 19, 19th century more appropriately would, you know, just like tossing in all these themes and letting you know this is this stands for this. This and I I thought that was so fun. So tell me about you know constructing that part. It was. It, it's kind of the equivalent of writing for cinematics at the end of a game that has yeah. in-game cinematics. The, the cinematics always come online at the end because technically that's when they're finished, towards the end of the production cycle. <laughs> sure. And as a result, the composers also finish with most of their music. So working on cinematics as well as working on these book moments like you were just describing was very rewarding because I had already spent the better part of a year and a half building up and writing I mean, I think there's like 20 something actual different individual themes that happen oh, wow. throughout the game at various points. So I kind of have them all in my head bouncing around um, like multiple personalities. And when I get uh, a book moment like that with Morla, uh, amazing voiceover for the introduction, reading the book, I can do Quill's theme, and then I think there's a moment where Quill rests her hand, and uh, she's thinking about sort of what's happened in the very end of the last game and what's going to happen, what's coming forward that she needs to look forward to in this game, and I can play like the textures in a very subtle melody of kind of the bad guy theme with Kristen Nagus again playing like bassoons and bass clarinets like really, really low, and doubling mm -hmm. it with the piano and electric bass. All that had already been established, um, and being able to piece it together that way was just sort of like the icing on the cake and musically having it work with the timing of Morla's reading and the page turns, but also musically having it stand on its own. So it's kind of like, I think Stephen, um, Stephen Hody, one of the two audio people at Polyarch, he's like, this is like a greatest hits song. I love it. Yeah. It's just all these themes happening and different yep. harmonizations of them. And that's honestly what I really love to do is to take that something expected and kind of turn it a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's just normally I'm taking things and making them really scary. So it's just <laughs> such a blessing to be able to do this with major chords and right. you know some some extended harmonies and fun with modes. some fun like kind of thematic development things that 
we're, we're going to talk about a little later uh, where, you know, you're like using multiple at a time. And that I thought was was pretty fun. But we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. I kind of I have my list here. Okay. <laughs> Um, and, and one of the things that I was, why I was asking you about the instrumentation thing is, um, you know, in the, in the first game, uh, I know these things cause of course I went back and I looked at the first game. So that's why I keep bringing it up. But, you know, in the beginning, um, the very first time, if, if I'm correct, the very first time you hear Quill's theme, you, you hear it on flute. And in book two, you do also first hear it on flute. Um, but then the first time you see Quill, like in person, like, and you're actively playing, it's oboe. And so I was just like, oh, I wonder if that was on purpose. Like, I mean, of course it was on purpose, but I wonder if there's some meaning behind that, you know? So tell me, is there? <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. I mean, that's really, I'm impressed that you even noticed that. But the flute, it's like the flute was kind of Quill's instrument in the first game. Mm -hmm. Now, the English horn, the oboe, the violin would play that theme occasionally. Um, I would mm -hmm. play it on harp or something like that. But really, the oboe, and Kristen and I both agreed, um, the flute, I'm sorry, was pretty much like Quill's instrument. In the first so game. It was, yeah. Yes, in the first game. Mm -hmm. So it was great having finished 95% of the score, getting to score the introduction with all that experience of the second game behind me to say, okay, so what can I do just for fun? Not that anyone but Emily Reese is going to pick up on this, <laughs> but what can I do that would be interesting? I want to start yeah. with the flute and start with the original harmony, but then I want to start changing it because fairly quickly we're getting into like penny whistle land and it's turning lots, <laughs> uh, you know, a lot more Celtic and more yeah. like the whistles are all affected and distorted because the story is, you know, taking a different path than the first mm -hmm. game, which it should. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that was that was the beginning of the transformation. You hear it in flute, then you hear it in oboe, and I think I think there's maybe an English horn snippet, and uh, it turns to penny whistles pretty soon. Okay, okay, yeah. No, it's just it almost. I was like, oh, it's like quills growing up. You know, I don't know yeah. why it gave me that yeah. impression, but it gave me like. And it's no great. offense meant to the flute, but it's like a little little bit older, wiser little tiny quill. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Love yeah. that. Love that. Were there other spots where you, where you did that, did that very deliberately? I mean, I'm sure you did it many times throughout, but can you think of other times where you were like, well, here, I'm going to put it on this instrument. You know what I mean? Like a major theme like that? I, I mean, I think the easiest thing to pick out is what you already sort of hit on the head so accurately is when you hear her theme in flute in book two, Yeah, that's when normally Polyarch would say something like, this is a very, um, um, what would the word, they'd say, this is like, this level should feel like you're going home. Like, we're halfway through the game, but now it sort of feels like you're back home in the original Moss. And I'm like, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put the, the theme in flute. Okay. And then I'm going to change it and do some other things. But yeah, the flute... It's the C flute too. Um, when we can, when we yeah. can do it a little lower, um, it's alto flute 
in this yeah. game. And yeah. we actually have a lot of bass flute as well, which it was Amazing. basically, I would sort of, I know the registers, but I would kind of pick out, I'd be like, this would be great in alto flute. And I'd say to Kristen, use whatever she wants. She's like, oh, I'm using alto flute. Because again, <laughs> it's a, it's like a weightier, you know, more yeah. mature. I like the way you yep. said that. Emotionally and physically, like a lot yep. more mature now. Yeah. 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 And so all of that wind playing was Kristen. I was wondering if it was like, I, I mean, the second I heard oboe, I knew it was her. Not that I, I mean, I wish I could like recognize professional oboe players' sounds in in the way. I just knew, you know, you're just like, well, that's Kristen because yeah. it sounds great. Yeah, totally. And, um, and and I also figured that you know some of the other wins, I was like, it's probably her on bass clarinet, but I didn't I didn't know that like also flu- maybe I don't know. I just yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> she's amazing. She and really is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and I, the the great thing about Kristen is, I I don't need to worry about like idiomatic keys for penny whistles, for example. Okay. I, I would ask her because we always have video chats in the middle, uh, before, during, and after all of these different projects. Because sure. I'm just looking for her insight. But I'd say, well, what keys do I need to stick to for for penny whistles? She's like, I've got all the keys. You write whatever you want. <laughs> Like harmonicas, you just open a spread of penny whistles. and Exactly. It's like, you know, like the guy, like, opens his trench coat and he's got, like, you know, every key of penny whistle. Like, hey, come here. I got every key of penny whistle over here. Oh, Um, God. And a lot of times she would pick, like, a jazz player, like, you know, someone who's comping a G triad over an E minor seven, right? She would pick a different key penny whistle because the licks that I had written for her to play were Mm -hmm. were easier and she could do cool little bends and trills and things using a different key penny whistle. And I mean, I I wasn't keeping track of all that, but she just mentioned things every now and then. It's just, she's just amazing. Yeah. I think she played... 12 different woodwind instruments in this. Oh, my total. God. Once all the, you know, yeah, everything. All the flutes and clarinets and oboe and English horn. Bassoon, yep. you said. Did she just play yep, bassoon or was there any contra bassoon in there? Well, actually, I had her double all of the bassoon parts. I had her play them twice, and I took the second one, and I dropped it an octave. Oh, okay. So it, it okay. sounds, I mean... It sounds just like a contra bassoon, and it's yeah. running in parallel with a regular bassoon. Okay. I did the same thing with the clarinet, uh, the bass clarinet. Oh, okay. So I had a bass clarinet, a contra bass clarinet. Usually those woodwinds, there were six of them. So four of them were in unison up high, and then okay. there were a pair transposed down low, but okay. six independent parts. So it yeah. feels like really, you Amazing. know. <laughs> That's yeah. official music the term. Official, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the Latin. There's a track called The Star Things Way, and, uh, you know, this is, there are a number of times where you get that Irish feel throughout the score, um, Irish folk music and dance yeah. music and, and such, and this was very, like, Irish 
real-ish, you know, yeah, real totally. R-E-E-L, of course, um, where, where you've got all the hemiola, like you're going like one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, which you, of course, you're drummer. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, I loved, I, I love that feel from, from Irish dance and, and all of that. But, um, but yeah, so, so talk to me a little bit about, uh, that and the star things way or however you want to about it. I think I think that was the first combat track that I wrote. Um and okay. I, I honestly in the first moss what I really wanted to do in the first moss is that more Irish uh Scottish snap sort of thing. And there's some things like the dia da 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 dia. I've got that kind of Scottish snap yeah. a couple of places from some themes from the first moss and I use those this time around. But this this time it was pretty much like I'm just gonna go whole hog and and keep everything as much as possible like in a triplet meter, um, the slow music and the fast music because it feels like a dance and we talked about yeah. it in the first moss she's Quill's very acrobatic and graceful and does just a lot of her animations incredible and I like the idea of the combat music feeling more like a dance um, to, to reflect kind of her attitude. Because the, the idea is that you're with her and you're helping her in the game as a third party in the game. You yourself, the VR like person, she sees you in her world. And when you're with her, she's very confident. So I wanted the music to sort of uh, balance that. And yeah. this time around, it was just uh, no holds barred. I'm just going to get out the Boron and Kristen's going to play the tin whistles and you know, just, yep. just, just go for it. I mean, and fun to have that be the combat music, right? As opposed to... Yeah, totally. I don't know, any other type of perhaps more generic combat music that gets written in games sometimes. And, you know, it's just is kind of the nature of the beast, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, it, it, what it all comes down to is what the developer wants. Because I could have done yeah. this first piece as a fairly overt 6-8 triple Irish sort of thing, and they could have said, yeah, that's not really working. Yeah. Um, but they've never they've never said that. Um, <laughs> I mean, of course, I'm, I'm not just throwing things at the wall. I'm thinking really hard, and we're having conversations together and discussing what's going to work, but mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a, good, a good relationship that kind of goes both ways, creatively speaking. And mm-hmm. I never said, I want to do Irish music, but I just kind of kept doing these sort of things. And yeah. at, at some point in time, I said something, well... They mentioned, I think Stephen, um, or maybe Kristen, the the other audio person at Polyarch, said, "Oh, this is nice because it's in it's in three four or it's in a triple meter." And I said, "Well, all of the music is actually in three four or a triple meter, unless you're underground in the like the scary part of the castle. Then it's all four four. Everything else is triple." And mm-hmm. they were like, "Oh, because I'd never, <laughs> yeah." You know, 
I, sometimes it's just fun to discover things like that along the way. Yeah. As opposed to me laying it all out for you. Well, yeah, and it's fun, too, that you don't notice that, really, right? right I mean, right. it's it's nice when those, it's like, oh, yeah, you're right. This is all, you know, triple. Yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. Um, the Winter's Glass. This is one uh, where I, I well, I kind of want to hear you talk about it. It's very lush. Um, gorgeous solo flute, tinkly piano. There's other like triangles and maybe Glock or something <laughs> like that. Uh, something else in there. Um, so, so I'd just really like to hear you talk a little bit about this this uh, track, "The Winter's Glass." You know, you're. I think you're two for two because that's the very first track I wrote for the game. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, "The Star Things Way" and "The Winter Glass" are the two the two tracks that I wrote first. But "Winter Glass" was literally the very first thing, and um, mm. it was it was hard, honestly, because I hadn't established the sound palette yet. Um, I think a lot of people think, you know, when they hear composers talking or maybe they see an interview with you doing with a composer and they said, oh, well, for this, I wanted to use electric guitar and, and banjo and kazoo. And it seems like this, like, super obvious decision. And obviously the composer is very professional and they made this choice from the beginning. They knew exactly what they wanted. And it's yeah. never that way, right? It's always... Yeah. Like, well, I guess I'll try this and kind of see, like, see what sticks. Um, the biggest thing for me for The Winter Glass is that's the first piece I wrote, yes, but it's also the first piece um, that has my my piano on it, my, my grand piano that I have in the studio now. And yeah. I had written it on a VST, on a computer piano, which mm -hmm. is a very good sounding piano. It's the same one I used in Tomb Raider 10 years ago, and it's just the solo <laughs> piano theme for Tomb Raider. No one thought it was a, v a computerized piano. They thought it was real. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it just wasn't... 10 years later, I'm just not really happy with the computer pianos. So... <laughs> um, Alan, you know, my friend Alan, whom you have met, Alan yeah. and I went to every piano store within like a 60-mile radius, and I had narrowed it down to a Yamaha or a Boston, which is basically a, a Steinway um, built by Kawhi. It's this like crazy hybrid. Oh, wow. And I recorded okay. this piece of music, the Winter Glass theme, um, live just as a single take in one store on the Yamaha and the other store on the Boston. And I took it back home and just dropped it into the mix to listen to it on the speakers. Because they both sounded amazing, but they were both very different sounding pianos. And the Boston just won okay. hands down. Not because it was better, wow. just the sound was what I was looking for. Yep. And that is the piano take that is on the CD. I didn't even <sighs> edit out, like, I didn't edit out anything. So wow. when you hear, um, like, the... There's some minor seven thing going on. So right around 30 seconds when the 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 initial rhythm sort of comes in and there's a piano doing this triple meter thing. Yeah. That is me in the Steinway store, like wearing a mask because it was COVID, um, with two mics on the piano and my little laptop. And I recorded just a single take wow. for the for the whole track and all the little do 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 little extra rhythms yeah. and stuff. I, I practiced. I remember driving to the store because it was like an hour away and I was listening to the track and practicing the fingerings in my head because it's octaves, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you got to do different fingers with your octaves on the piano. Yeah. Because I didn't want to have to comp it together and he was 
was being nice and not letting anyone else in the store. And oh, it was wow. just a great experience. And whenever so I hear cool. that track now, I just think so fondly. He was an amazing person, the, the salesman there at the Steinway store. And um, I love the piano so much and I use it all the time now. I got it home and everything else was written. Every other cue was written on that piano. Even if it's not necessarily featured, the cues were written on the piano and then wow. sort of transferred to, to other instruments. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And so I can see that in the very back. Is that right? Over your, what, left shoulder in the back? Yeah. Over there. Is that it back there? Yes. Okay. Very yes. cool. As a matter of fact, I, if I, I can open Do it. the lid. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Can you see it? A little bit. A little uh, bit. Yeah. You can see the keys. Yeah, you can see the keys. So that's it. It's it's amazing. It's stereo. I've got stereo mics over there, the same wow. ones I used at the piano store. And I literally just flip a power box on for the mics and I can record. And there's that's awesome. You can't see it, but there's a screen there, a big computer screen and a keyboard and a mouse and everything. So I can like drive Cubase, awesome. record enable, record I mean, so many cues start with piano, and I literally just sat there and went, record. And wow. Nothing better than the real thing, right? Right, yep. No more computer pianos for you. Unfinished business, that's a, a really mischievous kind of feel and energy to this track. Bass clarinet, of course, so that sounds amazing. Oh, yeah. And English horn, all the things. The, just the readiness of that bass clarinet. You know, you can just hear the sound of the wood in that. Re oh, right? So great. So, yeah, I'd love to hear yeah. you talk about that unfinished business track. That was one of the underground tracks, so it's straight. Okay. It's in 4-4, four, four, right? It's like, blum, 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 Yep. And um, that and one other track uh, were the two that the, the team at Polyarch were like, we need this to sound like fairly different from what you've heard before, because visually mm -hmm. it's going to be a different look. It's going to be a different kind of gameplay. Yeah. And um, that was... I think the first underground track I did, and I was like, okay, well, this is not going to be triple meter. It's not going to be fun. It's going to be like slow and methodical. Yeah. And I want to have lots of woodwind stuff. Um, I, I worked with Kristen. I think I sent her either eight or 10 microphones before we started this <laughs> because I knew from experience uh, how hard it is to record penny whistles Okay. And and not have them just... You know, they're just naturally very shrill. They're made yeah. to be able to cut across the band in a live performance. Sure. Um, but we ended up picking two two microphones, um, a ribbon mic and a, 
Oh, I think we use cardioid, like a cardioid condenser. Okay. Um, and those two mics together were perfect for the penny whistles. And it turns out they were also perfect for every other woodwind instrument she recorded. <laughs> um, I kept getting like what you're hearing, the 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 bassoon and the bass, the bass clarinets have this just woody, yep. reedy, like, I mean, you can even sometimes like hear the the air like escaping from around the mouthpiece. Yeah. And that's just the detail in those mics. Um are amazing and it yeah. made my life so much easier because all I really need to do is just put some reverb on it and yep. and, and let it go and just be like oh my gosh that sounds so good <laughs> Talk to me about the the strings. Then is is that an orchestra? Did you go to an orchestra? The strings are like half and half. Okay. Um, if if you were going to play something like the Star Things Way, mm-hmm. the beginning of that, you hear some. I don't know if you if your brain's saying that those are strings. Those are cellos. Okay. Playing that, it's like a um like a flat nine sharp eleven chord or something. Yeah. It's like na 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 na, and it kind of resolves. But that's me playing cello, <laughs> yes. um, and I'm not a string player, but I can do stuff like that. Okay. So I, I did a lot of multi-tracking, and I started doing this a couple years ago on some horror games, and it was easier because it's textures, and I can do textures. Okay. But as long as I didn't need to do too much vibrato, I recorded <laughs> as much of the string parts as I could. If you hear like tremolos or kind of like crunchy jazz chords and things, those are probably me playing strings. Cool. If it's like the really soothing, kind of beautiful, like with some intimate vibrato, uh, I just had to use um, a VS, like a quartet, a string quartet oh, cool. okay. VST. Wow. Because it was just too, it was too much with all the other live players. Um, we just didn't have time to do more live recording because mm-hmm. this is it's me and Kristen and Ren and my guitar player and I can't believe I just <laughs> blanked out on this name because he's incredible <laughs> and he does like all this great stuff for me it was just four of us but everyone wow. records themselves in a in a spare bedroom basically mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it's a lot of kind of producing um, just to make it sound right. like it's all in one room. The recordings are all great, but to get the balance and to have the flute be over here and this over here and do the cello, and it's just, it's very, very, very involved. And um, I didn't have time to do more, unfortunately, with the with the quartet, which is why a lot of the tracks don't have any VST strings because I'm just not a big fan of that anymore. I would yeah. use it in the more pleasing tracks, just to do some chords and things. But mm-hmm. you you will notice, I'm sure, if you go back and think about it now, that it is not the <laughs> foreground. Like they're they're just doing yep. chords in the background, yeah, right? And yeah. the soloists are really what are up for up 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 front and forward.
track called, and I might say Tillin wrong. Is it Thailand or Tillin? Do you know? Thailand's domain? Thailand, Thailand, yeah. Thailand's domain. Um, this is where I heard, you know, themes kind of being woven in in the background um, and stacking onto other other themes. So uh, I'd love to hear you talk about making making that track. <laughs> that one starts to get a little evil, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it gets a little we, hectic, yeah. We, we intentionally sequence the soundtrack um, in chronological order. Uh, and as you play through the game, like even gravity starts like messing up. And by the time you're at the end, which is basically the last... Uh, well, tracks 15 and 16, Thailand's Domain and Torched Wings, you're kind mm-hmm. of on the the level, we called it Pinnacle. I'm not sure if that's what it's officially called or not, but it's like the sky's red and there's these swirling lights everywhere and even Quill is like gravity, there's sideways walls, like an MC oh, wow. Escher drawing or something and, and like she can go up there and gravity's upside down and all this crazy stuff is happening. And I didn't want it to be like really scary because it's just not that kind of game but i also didn't want it to feel as warm and maybe even mysterious as Mm -hmm. some of like the um unfinished business track you know it's your underground it's more mysterious and oppressive and there's some dark sounds this is these two tracks but especially um thailand's domain is like establishing all that crazy up is down weird kinds of things. So mm-hmm. my first instinct, of course, is, well, how can I take these themes and just make them sound like they're the same, but just something's off? Just like, you know, gravity's still right. functioning. It's just functioning sideways. So the theme <laughs> is still there. It's just, you know, the, 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 the theme is in one key and the, the rest of the instruments are like a tritone away. So yeah. sometimes it lines up and sometimes it doesn't. And yep. I got into the really affecty penny whistles by then as well like as we progress in the combat and some of the exploration the the penny whistles started getting a little less full and more yeah. like radio kind of um smaller sounding and then some delays on them and things and by the time you get into this it's basically just going through a chain of guitar pedals and it's all like weird delays yeah. and everything i could do to musically just portray that kind of crazy anti-gravity, like, and then other crazy things happen with the story that I don't want to ruin anything, but they just, yeah. uh, Polyarch really pulled out all the stops on it. Like, things keep happening. I'm like, really? You're going to do that? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> and we need the music to do that too. It's like, okay, great. When did you start working on on this music? It was September of uh, 2020. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. A great time of our lives historically. <laughs> yeah, Speaking. yeah, I know. It's I mean, probably I, I nice only to know because that. that's when I was shopping for the piano. Yeah. September oh, of 2020, yep. Right, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. Um, so, I mean, you know, I haven't really officially talked to you. Uh, I mean, we've talked, but not on this show. Um, and you know, what was that like for you? I mean, I, I know that you've kind of got your farm 
mm-hmm. and all of your animals and your family. And you really do have a very lovely kind of self-contained existence. So, um, <laughs> I mean, and I mean that in, not in any, you know, pejorative yeah, way yeah, or yeah. anything, no. obviously. Um, totally. I'm just... You know how did how did you make it how did you make it through all that Did you make it through it all, all that okay and pandemic yeah. of course I'm talking about and of course yes yeah. we we did we did really well um, I I joked to a lot of people because that was always the first thing to pop up when you're zooming with someone or having some sort of a call How's it going How's the da, da, yeah da. And I would always joke that we basically started self quarantining <laughs> six years ago when we moved out to the country. <laughs> Because I used true. to live downtown Raleigh where you visited and, yeah. and slept in the guest room of the studio. That was in the <laughs> middle of a big city. And six and a half, seven years ago now, we moved out to the country and we're on 30 acres of woods. Mm-hmm. And even like across the street from us, it's a big swamp. And to the left and right of us are just um, farm, like there's uh, um, pumpkins on one side and sweet potatoes on the other side. Amazing. And... That's kind of our neighbors. Um, so it didn't really... And, and we were homeschooling. Now, both right. my children have graduated since then, but we were homeschooling. So it didn't really affect us that much mm-hmm. other than when we would go out, there weren't as many people everywhere. And it was honestly kind of nice. I would never wish for it to happen because I know why there were not as many people. But um, yeah. yeah, it was... It was okay for us, but we were yeah. game composers, music composers in general. We're a bunch of just, you know, hide in your dark room by yourself all the time anyway <laughs> kind of personalities. <laughs> and how about the animals? Can Do you mind giving us an update? I mean, is that okay for us to talk about here? Who do you have and oh, yeah. what, what do you yeah. got? Yeah, totally. We've got, um, well, we have less animals. Right. Uh, some reasons are... Like a lot of the ones we have just have, you know, three to five year lifespans and that's all there is to it. Sure. And then uh, others, I used to have a whole bunch of chickens and geese Mm -hmm. and some turkeys and I was just having too tough of a time apparently with this whole thing going on in like 2020. There was also a bad thing happening with like chickens and something, the way the weather, I don't know, but it was just... I have a friend who lives 10 miles away who literally has hundreds of birds. Mm. I mean, like, she she raises and breeds and sells and does all this crazy stuff. So I rehomed my chickens and my geese and my turkeys over there okay. to them. Mm-hmm. And my backyard now, I've got two two big Flemish giant rabbits and a tortoise in the backyard. <laughs> Mr. Fredrickson, yes. Mr. Fredrickson, yep, yep. He's <laughs> he's doing great. Um, still got the parrots. We still have got a bearded dragon here in the studio um, in the other room. Um, my daughter's got a pet dove um, oh, wow. in her room. My other daughter has um, a snake, a python, a ball python, super sweet ball python. Um, <laughs> you know, we got everything from a Great Dane to a miniature poodle, <laughs> a bunch of dogs, yeah. Uh, I think nine cats, which I guess wow. means 81 lives total. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are they all indoor or do they kind of make their way in and out, the kitties? Uh, exclusive. We've got three exclusively outdoors and um, six exclusively indoors. Okay. But but I literally built a catio for them um, on the nice. kind of the spare bedroom in the back that has this big double door. We just, we cut a hole in the house <laughs> and put a cat door there. Nice. And it's like this giant... Um, 
10 by 10 by 10 cube with wire and cat trees everywhere and okay. like litter boxes and all that. So they go outside yeah. all the time. Oh, nice. And of course they act like they're on Mars if I'm on the deck and, and they're on the catio, like their <laughs> eyes get real big and they start going, meow, meow. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm allowed to go outside. Yeah. <laughs> you just saw me inside two seconds ago. Stop losing your mind. <laughs> If we can, like, jerk back to, to Moss. Um, uh, sure. Which also is a very lovely little animal wonderland. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, one of the other things I really loved is all the hammered dulcimer. So do you have a dulcimer? I do. Okay. I do, yeah. Okay. How do you tune it? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, it takes forever. <laughs> yeah. It's a really, really nice dulcimer. Mm. I got it in the mountains of North Carolina um, years oh, before wow. Moss. I, I didn't Legit. even, I, yes, I didn't even have a, a project for it, but I knew I always wanted one. And being a percussionist, it's just kind of like a sideways xylophone almost. You know, it's set sort up slightly of. different, but, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, there's, you know, perfect fourths and fifths and things like that. It makes it easy yeah. to just kind of bang some some chords out. Um mm-hmm. And even when I bought it, they gave me a CD, and I was like, "Oh, what's this? This is this mountain, this mountain guy." He's like, oh, "That's the this is the album he recorded with your dulcimer." And I was like, "Oh, okay, great." <laughs> wow. So it's like a legit professional dulcimer. Yeah. So it stays in tune really, really well. Okay. However, it's the it's the biggest one, so it's like a chromatic dulcimer, so you can play oh, in any wow. key. So it's got like tons of extra notes. Okay, and most of the notes are three three courses so there's three strings on a note yeah um and you're so you're looking at you know 50 60 notes with three two or three strings on each note even if it stays in tune really well you still need to tune it pretty much every day and we're talking like you know moving the tuning thing like the tiniest bit nope it's sharp nope wait now it's flat okay wait now i think it's good (laughs) i would only tune it for the keys that i needed essentially um on a (laughs) day-to-day basis yeah 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 and a, a lot of the, yeah, the dulcimer um, is all over the place. The hammer dulcimer, but I also bought a mountain dulcimer for, for this game. Okay. Which is the three-string play-it-in-your-lap-and-strum-it, and it's kind of okay. like a like a slide guitar in your lap. Sure, sure. Um, really, really cool. I've always wanted one of those. Those I, uh, The winter glass was the first cue that I wrote, and I used the hammer dulcimer and the mountain dulcimer. Oh, cool. Just cool sounds, right? Like very, yeah. I don't yeah. know, mousy somehow. <laughs> regards to the to the music uh i think you know when i hear something like this soundtrack moss book two i'm like oh what a nice change 
right. from epic. Just, you know, it's like we don't always have to be epic. And we know this. There's so many different kinds of games and, and all the things. And I've interviewed all kinds of different people. And I love epic sure. music, yeah. too, obviously. I don't want to make it sound like I'm not appreciating all the epic scores um, because I do. But um, it just it just was a nice breath of fresh air. And, and you've kind of alluded to that a little bit, that it was like that for you compositionally, too. But I'd like to hear you talk more uh, about that because I assume that... I mean, and maybe I'm wrong, but my assumption is you had other projects maybe going on at the same time. So, you know, what what was it like? Oh, yeah. Um, well, I'll answer the, the, the last question first. And I was working <laughs> on, um, uh, there was a Dark Pictures game out game that came out last mm-hmm. year. I was working on at the time of Moss called House of Ashes, which was horror and yeah. me playing a lot of live instruments as well. Um and actually, that's why I decided not to do live strings for Moss because we had the budget to do live strings for House of Ashes, but everything started closing. And like, you know, I mean, Abbey Road was closed, Air was closed, Ocean Way yeah. was closed. So I started playing the strings myself on House of Ashes. Just lots of like like big unisons and then yeah, kind of drop down and I'd record that 10 times in the violins. And mm-hmm. by golly, it sounded like 10 violins. <laughs> um Doing, you know, easy things like that. But I was doing that, and I was doing uh, Fortnite at the same time, and I was also doing, um, which, of course, Fortnite, it was for Halloween, so that was scary. And I was doing Lone Echo 2, which is this, like, dystopian uh, robot android synth score that was all synthesizers. Um, I think think that was all. Uh, Yeah, it's like lots of... (laughs) Lots of different things, and yeah, honestly, that's what I love the most about having them be so different, because I could go from House of Ashes, crazy, scary sound design stuff, and then the next day do thematic theme and variations, yeah. beautiful chords, lush orchestration kind of things for Moss, which I think is probably my most, I don't know what, word I'm looking for. Satisfying isn't the word. Maybe relaxing would be the word mm. type of music to do because the music itself is so relaxing. Yeah. I tend to get like really into whatever I'm doing. And mm-hmm. if I'm doing a scary cue, like I get all worked up and I'm not scared, but I'm like frantic and yeah. like, you know, very, and with Moss, it's more like the opposite. It would, it would kind of make me relax and Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have a glass of wine at the end of the day while I'm mixing this one. This is really nice. And just uh, the the themes, and we've talked about that before. That's what I really enjoy yeah. the most is doing themes. However, yeah. just like you said, appreciating epic music, I still appreciate doing, you know, textural, yep. dark, uh, whatever. It's It's whatever I can sort of hang my hat on creatively speaking. Maybe it's just the mix because it's a pop thing. Um, I was also doing pop music at the time because I was doing this music for Limited Run, which was literally like 80s and 90s, like Kenny G saxophone and um, Weather Channel (laughs) instrumental stuff um, with all my friends playing the instruments. That's the great thing about games is, Mm -hmm. as far as I know, I'm not exactly pigeonholed, I think a lot of people will think Graves, Scary Music, Dead Space, Tomb Raider, uh, Dark Pictures, and that's totally fine, but Mm -hmm. there's another side to the coin where it's like Lone Echo or Moss 1 and 2 or even like Farlands or some of that other older, just 
not scary stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you you kind of lumped Tomb Raider in with the scary stuff because that was incredibly thematic as well, which, of course, you can do in scary music. So, you know, I'm not yeah. saying that you can't. It's just sometimes themes in scary music sometimes are more textural, can be like texture-based instead of melodic or something. And there were so many melodic themes in, in Tomb Raider, you know? Oh, I, I appreciate think, you yeah. saying that because I'd actually forgotten about a lot of it. I was at Alan's house yesterday all day long. We were just hanging out. It was his birthday. And he kept pulling oh, nice. up songs on his phone to play through the speakers. He's like, name this composer. And he'd pull up Vaughn Williams and then he'd pull up Schubert and then he'd pull up, you know, whomever. <laughs> and then he'd pull up something from Tomb Raider. And I'm like, mm, um, <laughs> like, is that hit? No, it's not Hitchcock. It's got this. And then after about 10 seconds, I'm like, Oh, that's Tomb Raider. He's like, really good themes in here. And he starts playing a couple of different things. I'm like, that's right. I mean, it was like 10 years ago, which feels like ago. an eternity. But yeah, yeah. it's kind of crazy. Amazing. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, what more do you want to say about Moss Book 2 or just being in that world? I um, I really thoroughly enjoyed spending time with that with that soundtrack. Oh, me too. I was... <laughs> It was one of those jobs that the whole time I was doing it, I was just think, thinking to myself, I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this. Yeah. Like, and studying um, just kind of orchestration and a lot of the simple realizations that I would come to, which is simple is better than complicated. Yeah. And just doing, like having Kristen play all these woodwinds, but they're just in octaves or in a yeah. unison, um, or having two instruments playing a unison line for two bars, and then they split off and do harmonies, because I'm trying to illustrate kind of the, like the Quill and Argus, her uncle, like their relationship and, mm -hmm. and what's happening in the story. really simple stuff that I'm not expecting a listener oh I noticed he went from unison to a diatonic <laughs> harmony and now the the oboe is playing a counterpart to the flute I, that's that's fine it's just fun excuses to do musical adventurous kinds of things mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know like or like me playing cello and thinking I wonder if I could do that like crazy chords and yeah. and then just playing more cello more cello cello and viola cello and viola um mm -hmm. yeah it's it's fun computers man right computers, we, man. we wouldn't have been able to do this even <laughs> like 10 years ago it would have been more difficult it's yep. just so crazy what you can do now in your house which is where I am Are you working on anything that you can talk about right now? 
Um, yeah, of course not. Okay. <laughs> it never hurts to ask. That's how I feel about it. Usually the answer is, I can't tell you anything, but it's, yeah. you never know. <laughs> I, mean, right, I can say enough. that it's, it's very different from the other things that I've done before. Ooh, I love but, hearing uh, that. I mean, it's also, I mean, I think it's to the point now after... 20 however many years I've been doing this it's sort of like yes this project sounds amazing now let's think about Jason let's think about what we can do that's going to be really different and amazing for us personally right. as well as satisfying kind of the creative needs for the game and it's like the more far out I can get with those new innovative sort of for me mm -hmm. innovative ideas or instruments or sounds um, textures whatever that's just it's just more fun. It just yeah. it just means I'm I'm sitting around more often thinking, I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I am very glad that you do. Uh, because it's hey, always me too. such a pleasure to to hear new stuff from you. And um yeah, can't wait to hear what's next, as always. I feel like I missed some in there, so you know, I'm going to have to do a little more homework for our next chat, and I might bring up some some things from the past. We'll see. Excellent. <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about Jason Graves, see a playlist, and support Level with Emily at patreon.com level. Check out the video of my chat with Jason on the Level with Emily YouTube channel. Please subscribe to that YouTube channel so you don't miss any of our new videos of interviews and other things. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Who, me? Hi. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com. Made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.